This is a podcast by The Straits Times. It is a wrap for the SEA Games in Hanoi where The Straits Times has been over the past two weeks to cover some of Southeast Asia's best athletes. Welcome to a special edition of Straits Times Sports Talk with me, Sazali Abdulaziz, and my colleagues on the ST Sports Desk, Kimberly Quack, Laura Chia, and Deepan Raj Ganesan, as we dissect the campaign from the Vietnamese capital itself. Everyone loves winners, and Team Singapore won a good share of the gold medals that were on offer here, with 47 gold, 46 silvers, and 73 bronze medals in total, for their third best showing at an overseas SEA Games. So let's talk about the highs first and there's only one person we can go to for that. Our gold medal reporter, Kim, who covered the highest number of Singapore's wins uh, among us here. Kim, you were at the Aquatic Sports Palace in Hanoi for a number of evenings straight covering swimming who were key to Singapore's overall haul and delivered its usual high standards uh, with 21 gold medals. Uh, what were your main highlights uh, from the swimming competition? And, and were there other highlights from, you know, swimmers that were not Singaporean as well? Definitely was fun to cover swimming. You know, it, it, there was a lot happening then. And um, the swimmers performed really well. This is like their second best showing at the SEA Games. So, yeah, I mean, from Team Singapore, I think we always expect them to bring home a lot of gold medals. But, you know, there were some standout performances. Uh, for example, uh, Tiong Tsun Wei from Singapore. He's now the fastest man in Southeast Asia in the men's 50-meter free event. So he's the first ever Southeast Asian to go under 22 seconds in that particular event. And then you had like great performances from some of the debutants like Leticia Sim, who was competing in her first ever international meet. And that was, you know, it was incredible to see how well she did. I think you have like the swimmers who have been competing for many years, like Zingwen, who once again, you know, proved how good she can be. She was um, the most bemedaled swimmer at, at this meet. So overall, you know, Singapore had a very good campaign, I would say, in swimming. That's really great to hear. And, and you were also at fencing, uh, where Singapore claimed six gold medals. Uh, the sport seems to really be on the up, yeah? Yeah. I mean, this is their best ever showing at the SEA Games. But, you know, the people I spoke to mentioned that the, the result or what they achieved this year was a result of years of, you know, hard work and, and just trying to create a bit more cohesiveness in within the scene. Like, they do engage the club coaches a lot in, in their national training sessions as well. So that, I think, they felt was something that helped them. You know, fencing was really exciting to cover. At times, it was really hard to watch because <laughs> it was a bit nerve-wracking. Uh, as for Laura, you covered bowling where Singapore also emerged the top nation. Uh, what was their campaign like? Uh, yeah, so I did bowling for about three to four days at this mega mall which was really, really huge and it was a very nice venue but it was a campaign of ups and downs I would say because the women managed to sweep all three goals but the men kind of fell flat a little bit clinching uh, only silvers and bronzes and I think they were also a bit disappointed because their ultimate aim was to win the team goal but they eventually settled for bronze. On the women's side they had a really good campaign you know Sherry won all three goals she was in really good form at the lanes and I think this was just her SEA Games and she managed to reclaim the singles title that she last won in 2017 and Hui also, who is the bronze medalist in the singles as well as the gold medalist in the doubles and the team event, she had a good game as well. A bit inconsistent at times and there were some games that were just not hers to take. 
and she wasn't in as good form as Sherry, but she still had a really good time on these lanes. And I think they were just very comfortable over there. But unfortunately, the same could not be said for the men. Uh, they did not win a medal in the singles. And while they were disappointed, they had said that their ultimate aim was to win the team goal. But uh, that did not happen as well. And they know that there is room for improvement. But they did say that it is still a step in the correct direction because right now they are not satisfied with the bronze when a few years ago they would have just been happy with that. So good, but could be better for bowling. And, and I guess that could also be used to describe badminton's campaign uh, where they tied their overall best medal haul with, with six uh, medals. But Lokian, you missed out uh, on that gold medal that, that the country wanted so so much. Laura, you were there uh, at the semi-final and the final where, where Kian Yu, you know, lost. Uh, can you share what that was like and, and what badminton's campaign was here in Hanoi? Yep. So at the semi-finals, Kian Yu was up against a Vietnamese home favourite. Uh, Nguyen Tian Min, and the atmosphere was really electrifying. The whole stadium was full. There were drums, there were bubuzelas, and the cheering was just non-stop. And there were some cheers for Kian Yu, of course, but the loudest were reserved for their home hero, of course. And in the semi-finals, Kian Yu played a really good first game and he dominated from the start. But after that, he started to make a few mistakes here and there and some lines, line calls didn't go in his favour, but eventually he managed to triumph. And I think because of that semi-final win and because it was such a tough one, everyone thought that he had the momentum going into the final. But uh, that semi-final match was 80 minutes long. Before that, him and the other Singapore team members had Thomas Cup obligations as well. And he did admit that he was a little bit tired, which showed in his final, unfortunately. And he was unable to convert a lot of his net points and hit a lot of them into the net. That's why those cost him ultimately. For badminton's overall campaign, yes, the medal haul was quite good this time. And some of the players, especially in the doubles and the women's team, have done quite well to reach the semi-finals. But there were a few near misses, one being Kenyu and the other being the men's team. They were up 2-0 against Malaysia and they just had to win one more match. But unfortunately, Malaysia staged a great comeback to win 3-2 and eventually uh, go to the final. So that was one part that was... I think a little bit disappointing for the team, but I think they have shown, like can you say, they have shown what they are capable of and that it is a step in the right direction. So hopefully uh, next year with Cambodia coming up in just one year's time, uh, we can expect more from them. Alright, and as for myself, I also had the privilege to cover milestone showings in uh, Pencak Silat and Athletics. The Silat exponents guarded four gold medals to finish second behind only host nation Vietnam for their best campaign ever, uh, while Athletics delivered its best showing for almost 30 years uh, with 11 medals overall. The last time our track and field guys and girls delivered a double-digit haul was in 1993 when they claimed 12 medals overall. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to our conversation. So we've talked about the highs of Team Singapore's campaign, but there were, as always, some sports that had the SEA Games to forget. Uh, and if Kim was our gold medal reporter, Deepen unfortunately had to see a number of athletes on his assignments fall short. First up, football. Now, Deepan, we spoke before we left uh, for Hanoi even how it was uh, an uphill task for the under-23 football team, uh, what with the injuries and selection problems for head coach Nazir Nasir. So we don't have to go in about those points in detail, but how did you feel the team applied themselves in Hanoi and uh, what was it like covering their games? 
Firstly, uh, covering the games was, was tiring uh, in a sense that because it was a two and a half hours drive away from our hotel that we are in. Uh, but watching their games was even more tiring because I thought uh, in a lot of the games that they played in, there was no identity to their play. And this was fairly obvious in that 2-2 draw against Laos, a team that, you know, we have grown accustomed to beating over the, the, the sea games in recent years. But the fact remains that, you know, for the fourth consecutive time, they have gone out in the group stages. And time and again, we have been talking about the same things, that there's a lack of quality when it comes to the Singapore under-23 side. Uh, that 5 nil loss to Thailand will live long in the memories because it showed the gap between us and uh, a regional powerhouse. Uh, and this gap has been... They have been trying to fix it for the last couple of editions and they've still not fixed it. But, you know, SNOC, of course, addressed uh, the, the grit, the fight that the team showed. While I do agree with that notion, I think this is not the barometer to judge the team by. Uh, I think at this level, uh, at the Southeast Asian level, the very least you expect from the team to go into the semi-finals, which they did not do for the fourth consecutive time. Were you surprised by the kind remarks by sport administrators in uh, reviewing their campaign? Look, I, I think they are trying to look for, for positives for the team, but, but I don't buy it. When you talk about grit, I think it comes into the equation if you are talking about playing against some Asian powerhouse. That's fine. But we're talking about our regional neighbours. Against Malaysia, a lot of people talked about the grit and hunger that we showed. Against a team that had no overage players in their squad, and we're talking about us having grit, I, I don't buy it at all. I think at this level, quality has, has got to come to the fore, uh, and there was none of that, I, I felt. Uh, in terms of Singapore's performances over the, the games, I think the only game that they really uh, showed they could play was against Cambodia. Uh, I thought they had they, they they were good in attack. I think they showed sturdy defense. Overall, this campaign is one to forget, like you mentioned, and 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 I've said a, a few times already in this couple of minutes that uh, for the last few editions, it's been the same things. We show quality in one games, and then we praise them for for showing grit in other games. Uh, this has got to stop. We've got to show proper quality. Uh, and again, you know, we were you know a bit unlucky in terms of selection and injuries that was forced upon us. But uh, this team, for what they had, they underperformed. You also covered shooting, which delivered two gold medals, but didn't quite hit the high standards and, and the haul that was expected of them, did they? Yeah, definitely not. So on paper, it does seem like uh, the shooting team posted an improvement from the last games. Uh, but we've got to remember that the last games, there were a lot of team events that were not included, but this time they were. Two gold medals actually came from pistol events, uh, which was the 10-meter air pistol uh, women's team and the women's 25-meter pistol individual event. But our, our more prominent rifle team uh, disappointed. Um, and this was, of course, including uh, Fennel Tan, Adele Tan, uh, and Natania Tan. Fennel and Natania were making their debuts, and I think it's fairly um, understandable that they didn't make the finals of the event. But for Adele, I think it's a big, big, huge disappointment, I would say, because she's been to the Olympics and, and she's uh, done fairly well there. And to come to a regional tournament and not being able to make the finals, to me, I, I think it's, uh, it's a huge disappointment. And, and it showed as well in the, in, the, in the mix zone, you know, after the finals came to an end and, and she was very, very disappointed. The same goes for Jasmine as well, uh, you know, in her event, uh, which was the 3P. In that event, of course, Martina Veloso uh, managed to get a bronze. But even then, uh, we, we expect a lot from, from Martina because of her improvement uh, or, or how she has performed in the last couple of years. So overall, the, the riflers have really disappointed. And um, I, I was speaking to SSA President Mr. Michael Vaz, and he said that he was proud of, of the team's showing 
despite obstacles in place. And he talked about how there was a lack of facilities and, and a lot of sharing between shooters when it came to training time. So yes, you know, as much as we talk about the disappointment, uh, sometimes we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. So it's good that, that associations and NSAs really come out to talk about the problems behind so that we can address it very early on and then look towards improving for future editions of the game. So I do look forward to the shooting contingent uh, faring much better at the next game. Okay, Dips, we'll stick with you uh, for a bit. Uh, you did cover your fair share of highs. Uh, can you share some of them? Yeah, but, uh, speaking of highs, I think the first thing to talk about is actually a team that did, didn't deliver a medal nor progressed into uh, the knockout rounds. And that's, of course, the Singapore women's football team. I thought for a first showing for a very, very long time at the SEA Games, they, they did tremendously well. Of course, they had a 1-0 victory over Laos. It was the first win at the SEA Games since uh, 1985 which is, of course, 37 years ago. And I think it shows the progress that, that women's football has made uh, over the last few years. Uh, I thought their showing at the SEA Games uh, showed grit and quality. Um, and this was against teams that were above them in the world rankings, and, and yet they were able to, to put up a commendable performance in each game. Um, and I think it bodes well for, for women's football uh, in, in the coming years. The, the other one was, of course, Contessa Lowe, our archer. She, of course, ended a nine-year wait for a SEA Games goal in the sport for Singapore in the individual compound archery event. And I thought what was interesting was that, you know, this was her fourth SEA Games, and she said that she had always struggled with uh, the nerves in the, in the final arena. This was the ultimate test, right, because she was up against the Vietnamese in the final, and she heeded the advice of Fort Singapore physio, uh, who told her, you know, it's not the noise that disturbs you, you go and disturb the noise. And she did it perfectly, you know, posting up her first gold medal, her first medal, in fact, at, at the SEA Games. And I thought that was one of uh, the moments of, of the SEA Games for me. The other one, of course, is Noah Lim from, from Jiu-Jitsu. You know, not, not much is said about certain sports uh, when, when it comes to the SEA Games, I feel. Uh, but he's, of course, now made it back-to-back -back gold medals. And, and what's interesting about him is the fact that, you know, he's so unassuming. He, does, he doesn't seem like he just won a gold medal. To him, I've won a gold medal at the last Games. I've won a gold medal now. Uh, I'm going to make it uh, a clockwork kind of thing. And I think that's great about certain sportsmen here in Singapore. And I think Noah Lim, he, he is the best in his division at the moment. And I think he'll only go strength to strength in other competitions uh, regionally and hopefully um, in, in Asia as well. Alright guys, so now I'm just going to go around and ask each of you what your moment of the SEA Games was. Uh, gold medal reporter Kim, let's start with you. Yeah, so for me, I think the moment of the SEA Games has to be watching 14-year-old um, Elko make it to the final of the Women's Epe individual event. So I actually went down to watch the semi-final. You know, before the SEA Games, I had talked to her. She was a really chatty, bubbly teen, you know, who was um, very eager to compete at the SEA Games. And when I was watching her come up against Vietnam's Vuthi Hong in the semi-final, after she, after she won each point, she would just let out this really, really loud scream. And I got a bit of a shock at first. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? But like, it was really nice to see that kind of fight and like passion from her. Because, you know, it, it, it turned out to be a very, very close fight against the Vietnamese. She, and, and she really had to hold on in, her, in just her third overseas competition. So it was nice to see her, you know, come up on top and be able to prove how good she, she is on, like, on the international stage, even though it's just her third overseas competition. Uh, Laura, what about you? My moment from the SEA Games was actually not uh, recorded on TV and actually no one really saw it because it was when I sat down for an interview with Thai Taekwondo Olympic champion Panipat Wong Patanakit. 
So what I did was I went to the taekwondo venue to look for her and we literally sat down on her training mat after her final which she won for an interview and it was kind of like a spur of the moment, very impromptu, informal setting because she was just cooling down and she invited me to sit down with her and that's how we did the interview. And you would think that being an Olympic champion, she might be a bit um, more inaccessible, especially for foreign media, or she might be more put off by talking to a foreign journalist in English, which she's not as confident in. But she was actually very approachable and very patient in the way that she listened to my questions and the way she answered me as well. And you could tell that even though English was not her first language, she gave a lot of thought to my questions and her answers. And I really enjoyed the, co the conversation that I had with her. Also because she was so humble, like she never once mentioned or talked about her Olympic glory in an arrogant fashion. Instead, one of the first things that she said to me was to follow her on TikTok because that's her hobby and that's her interest and that was like the one highlight of her life. So that was a really nice conversation. And even as we ended, she didn't forget to remind me again, follow me on TikTok and she spelled out her, uh, her username for me twice. So that was a really nice interview and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it could be something uh, about athletes from Thailand. You know, people call them the land of smiles and, and they are so friendly. And I had a, a similar pleasant experience with uh, the sprinter Puripal Bunson. You know, he he is only 16. He has won a, a triple sprint gold medal, the 100 meter, 200 meter and 4 by one at the SEA Games. And he's poised to be potentially the greatest uh, Southeast Asian sprinter of all time if he, if he goes on this trajectory. Uh, and we had a nice conversation at his hotel as well and and no airs at all despite all his achievements uh, at such a young age. You know, that was certainly one of my highlights. But I have to say, mine has to be another sprinter and it was from Singapore uh, and it, it is Shanti Pereira uh, and, and her 200-meter win. That was such an emotional moment. Like, I can't really even put it into words. I mean, for me, it stretches back to the fact that I covered Shanti when she was a 17-year-old running at her first SEA Games in Myanmar in 2013. Uh, I remember she cried after her 200-meter race as well because she finished fourth, um, you know, all those years ago. Two years later, I was there to cover her win at the Sports Hub as well. And from 2015 to 2022, she's had so uh, many ups and downs. I, I would argue possibly even more downs than ups. Uh, I covered her at the Tokyo Olympics as well. So I've I've uh, professionally been with her on that journey for, for the last nine years and to see her finally reclaim that gold medal uh, was just a very, very uh, moving moment. For Deepan, what about you? What was your moment of the SEA Games? Yeah, I think my, my moment uh, for the SEA Games is fairly obvious. It's of course Singapore winning the Xiangqi gold medal. Uh, just kidding. But I think for me, it's the SEA Games football final where um, Vietnam, the host, got a 1-0 win over, over Thailand. But it was not so much the match, uh, but the celebrations outside the Medin Stadium. Uh, wow, I have not seen or, or been involved in, in, in a celebration like that before. And I was in the thick of the action where, uh, you know, flares were out, uh, thick smoke in the air, men had their shirts out, flags were all over. So, you know, it was really, really uh, being involved in a celebration like that is something that I will take away. It's, for me, the best memory I've had covering any event, I would say, uh, in my in my career as a, as a journalist so far. And I think what was the best feeling was that you could really see that the Vietnamese people uh, were so, so, so happy. Uh, and some of the people that I spoke to before and during the game talked about uh, the last two years with the pandemic, what they had gone through. Some have lost their jobs. Some have lost families. And here, you know, for after 90 minutes of watching their team, 
uh, win goal, that the final goal of the games with, with the football tournament, and they just let loose. You know, the emotions came out, the happiness was there for all to see. Uh, and that's really, really something that got me a, a little emotional because it's not just in Vietnam where, where people have suffered, uh, but you could see, you know, what sports does for people. And that's what the SEA Games has been all about, uh, bringing all this joy and jubilation to people through sports. Uh, and that's what we have covered and enjoyed so far here in Vietnam. And I can't think of a better note to end this episode of ST Sports Talk on. Uh, thank you, uh, Kim, Laura and Deepan for sharing your experiences. If you want to relive the SEA Games with the Straits Times, please visit straitstimes.com or our Instagram on at straits underscore times underscore sport. Follow us. That was a podcast by the Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.